Hi, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your evening with us tonight. Uh, thanks also to Crosstown Arts for helping us make this happen. Uh, the show tonight is presented by Sonosphere, which is a Memphis-based podcast that explores the sounds all around us. We take a historical perspective of modern music, discovering and highlighting sounds and music from across the world, and through time. Um, the, actually, Sonosphere was coined by uh, experimental and electronic musician and composer Pauline Oliveros. She wanted to create a new vocabulary, a new language around the aural experience that we get as human beings and not just the visual. She was teaching us to listen with intent. We're your hosts. My name is Amy Schaffline. And I'm Chris. So about three months ago, we had the pleasure of going to Big Ears. And I happened to have a chance to meet Wufei as well as see her perform. And she was the most personable person I've ever met. And she also put on an amazing performance in the St. John's Cathedral. So I wanted to, or we wanted to bring her here and showcase this amazing instrument in Memphis, as well as this amazing musician. Um, so here we are, we present to you Wu Fei. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Amy. Um, I want to, first of all, of course, thank um, Crosstown Arts and Sonosphere for bringing me to Memphis. This is my second time in Memphis, but first time performing. First time I just drove through and had to stop here. I was like, oh, fam famous Memphis. And today, wow, uh, it's, a, it's a truly an honor to, to um, present my solo work uh, and uh, to meet the community for the first time. And thank you for all coming. I, um, I'm originally from Beijing, uh, was born and raised in Beijing and came to the States when I was in sophomore year um, to study music. And I was um, raised as a, uh, I guess maybe I was five years old. Um, my kind of life path was fair, pretty much decided by my parents. You're gonna be a musician. Not definitely not an easy upbringing um, when you were five and just kind of forced to practice all the time. Um, I had a, yeah, rocky path, um, the relation with my instrument, the music. And the, the instrument is called the Gu Zheng. It's one of um, the oldest traditional Chinese string instruments, um, roughly about 2,500 years of history. The oldest score, the notated score for the Gu Zheng is 2,200 years old. 
And so uh, kind of we add a few hundred years on top of that. So I guess that's when, <laughs> roughly when it was invented. And uh, so in the first dynasty in China, the Qin dynasty, that's when Guzheng became actually hugely popular, uh, was loved by the emperor. I mean, being loved by the, the whole culture for 2,000 years. And at back then, they had eight strings, but much smaller. And then um, I'm guessing maybe about 1,000 years later, uh, it went to 12 strings. And then all the way to 1960s, 16 string guzheng was the most popular. And But this one, what you are looking at, this long one, is the most standard guzheng, which has 21 strings and covers four octaves. This one is a, also has 21 strings, but it just, it's not so common because um, I'm a traveling musician and the manufacturer just made one that's, I can carry on and uh, not so difficult like this one, you fly. <laughs> and, um, but still it has 21 strings. And it um, goes from low D to high D. four octaves is a very wide range. Um, I think besides piano and a Western grand harp, concert harp, which harp covers four and a half octaves, and guzheng covers four octaves. And that's about the three instruments that um, covers, a kind of regular concert instrument that covers the widest range uh, in terms of register. And um, so that's, um, the brief history of the guzheng. And if you can see my picks, I'm wearing f finger picks. These are actually quite new compared to traditional. When I learned, my teacher, he and um, his generation, they never wore finger picks, just used real fingernails. And then after 1960s, especially after 1970s, um, uh, when China opened up and uh, opened up to the rest of the world, and including culture and music, they, um, the musicians, start wearing picks, finger picks, to um, create faster plucking techniques. And it got, uh, also volume-wise, it got much louder. And so um, I would like to start a piece from, and it's a classical piece from Shandong province. It's called a fisherman's song, Yuzhou Changwan. And it's, um, so you can see what it sounds like from the old time and then the style.
spend your whole life working on them and just find all new yourself in it because it just has so much, um, it has gone through so much history, really. Um, every time I play, I feel like, wow, this part. It's, the composer is unknown. No one knows who wrote it. eating seaweed and then I kind of heard that classic noise, ah, oh, probably the... <laughs> I was like, that sounds familiar, it sounds like seaweed packaging. <laughs> That's their favorite snacks. And, uh, uh, <laughs> so, um, so what we drove here, um, for the Guzheng, it's, um, temperature is, can be a very tricky factor when I try to keep it in tune. Because the, the strings and the wood, so they're all adjusting from the heat and then over inside the AC. So uh, I have to kind of constant adjusting the pitch, and especially when I play hard. And it's like, so that was um, a piece that actually, now I like to move on to, yeah, I was practicing quite a, quite a lot. I actually had quite a difficult time thinking music was something beautiful. I never, uh, when I was a child, I just thought music was something, it was my job. I was like, ever, hearing all the other kids in the neighborhood playing you know, football or outside, and I had to, I, I was locked in the house to practice, like with a clock right there. All right, two hours. So um, for, for the longest time, I never thought music was beautiful. It was, uh, it was, it was something, I had to do for my parents, and which both of them grew up in the Cultural Revolution time when they were young. So all their opportunities were taken away when they were supposed to be thriving you know, in their teens and 20s. So um, when, when the whole chaos was uh, ended, they, and I was also born the first generation of single children. Uh, so all the single children had to carry out our parents' dreams, the double dreams on me, okay. So I never thought, I had, like, had a never relaxed moment in my life um, thinking, I'm gonna play just for fun. This is just the, I gotta play to compete. I gotta play to score high, to get into this school, to get this trophy, take it home, and to get to the next level. And uh, so that's, how I grew up, and most other uh, kids I met in the music competitions, um, if I was practicing two, three hours a day, they were practicing six hours a day. So that's how competitive everyone was um, because the whole generation was just put in, the, that, in that um, stage. Um, now you succeed, there's no, you gotta jump, that's the cliff. Who can jump higher, who can jump further, just all jump. So. <laughs> um, so it was so competitive. Um, and now I'm going to play a piece that um, I, um, I finally am I'm, I'm able to play again for the longest time because I've always had a, a mental block about this piece. Every time I played it, I, my, my, in my mind, it was this big concert hall with hundreds of people. You know, I was like probably nine or something. Just everyone, there's tons of judges, professors, 
judging me. And, and the rest were parents, worried parents about how well their kids will perform on stage. So uh, um, after I came to the States, I discovered so much more about music. As, I was like, wow, they're, they're having fun. They're jamming? What, what? what? What does it mean? What does word jam mean or improv? And, and that's not what you are, or that's not how I was told to, 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 to you know, succeed in music. You gotta, you know, just play the repertoire. It's all about the repertoire. Um, so this is one of the repertoire. But um, after I just let go, I didn't touch the guzheng for five solid years. I just couldn't deal with it. And then finally I was able to, after I came, came to the stage, I was like, wow, I can actually just play. And then could just simply appreciate what I play and to be appreciated instead of to be judged for like, for like 20 years of my life. Every time I've touched Guzheng, I was being judged by hundreds of people to advance to the next, you know, compete to like for two spots to advance. And then other city, the other two kids were competing with other 2,000 kids to get the same spot. And then the whole country would get together and then to compete the next two spots. So that's just how kind of, yeah, every day that was my life. Ah. So this is the music box. Well, the old school guzheng didn't have this. So after um, the instrument, the country opened up and it wanted to progress so much. So they made a lot of um, advanced change to the instrument. So we could actually tune to a different key much quicker versus the old guzheng. You have to like use your hand to pull a string to change. And like, it takes a whole day to replace one string. So now we just do this like a very fast. So now I'm changing from D G pentatonic. traditional Tibetan folk song. And uh, so you, you will see um, how the finger techniques and will move on to different stage. And this piece is called the Xiao, which means snow mountain spring morning. It's uh, supposed to be uh, for the, written for the Himalayan mountain. Thank you. 
Days, I discovered. Uh, I'm gonna catch up with my breath a little bit. <laughs> it's kind of like a workout song. Um, I discovered improvisation, and that um, really changed my life. Because um, I, I, I thought I just never wa wanted to touch guzheng anymore. Um, um, I, I actually I was trained um, as a classical composer uh, when I w entered the. Um, China Conservatory of Music and uh, writing for um, string quartets and chamber ensemble and symphony, all sorts of or, or Chinese classical instruments or uh, any kind of instrument choir. So I uh, brought um, a lot of music um, recording to my professor when I attended Mills College in Oakland, California. And uh, my professor, Fred Fritz, actually I studied with Pauline Oliveros, yes. She's one of my mentors. Um, deep listening, that was the, my, my course. Um, and then Fred, he's an awesome master improviser from originally from, from England, has been teaching uh, in, in the States for the last at least a decade. And he, after he heard my music, he said, Faye, um, I, I hear a lot of craft, but I don't hear Faye. And uh, so that, after that one lesson, I was, I was in deep depression for like a whole week. I couldn't go back to school because I thought I was going to be the future of Chinese music. Or you know, where the world was like, what do you mean? I mean, I did I spend my whole life like did I waste my whole life because I didn't know why I was doing music because I was put on the path since I was five years old. Um, I had never questioned why I, I make music, why I write music. So when my professors ask me that question, I think that should be the simplest question. Why you make music? And that was the hardest question in my life to answer. I said, I don't know. I really don't. I don't even know why I'm in your class right now. <laughs> I guess really now I'm thinking uh, to get a job like you, maybe. <laughs> I was. Uh, to, to maybe my parents thought that if I could get a music professor teaching job at Harvard, I think that I would just have made it. Um, <laughs> but of course, you know, if you really want to do music, 
not really people don't really go to Harvard to make music, right? <laughs> I, I didn't even know that, but that's the, the only one path that I knew of. So I went home just for a whole week. I couldn't go back to, to school. I just had to think through my life just to um, rewind, just to go back to when I was five, to think through my whole life. Why I spent every hour pretty much had no childhood and just pursue, pursue, succeeding, succeeding. And to this point, um, and I went back to school um, a week later. I said, okay, I'm gonna give it a try. Because I, I, I don't know anything else. At that point, I was already 20, 24 or something, 25. I was like, I don't know anything else. I can't change my path to do something else. I'm, I'm going to have to give it a try to see if I can understand why I'm doing this, if doing this has any value. So um, improvisation saved my life. Um, I saw, I had a, Mills College was a very interesting school. I had a schoolmates who didn't even read music, but they were just brilliant. The sound they were making, I was really confused for a whole semester. And then I was like, I don't get it. Like, how do we rehearse? <laughs> They're like, what do you mean rehearsing? <laughs> and uh, so I, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm gonna just start making something. And then um, I started playing and playing, playing, and everyone was happy. So I, this moment just clicked, and I started playing something. And since then, uh, I was able to drop all that burden um, had a kind of overnight uh, enlightenment. Uh, so I've been improvising. <laughs> and so we'll, we'll see what happens next. So that's, that's kind of...
I sang both are love songs. Well, summertime is a love song. Uh, the the one that I sang in Chinese was from Northwest China, um, called Sanshili Pu. It's a, it's a like a little village. Um, just uh, basically, this one young girl singing. Oh, if you are not my true love, just keep going. It's okay. I'm still waiting. I'm waiting for my true love. <laughs> All right. Uh, so um, I keep discovering. Oh yeah, give me. I'll try this one. So when I, at Mills College, so after I discovered improvisation, hey, uh, I studied, um, learned John, about John Cage, prepared a piano, and a lot of um, just from that whole school. Um, I just 
I was blown away. Um, some were not so effective to me, because like, but uh, some were just eye-opening. And uh, when I discovered um, prepared piano, I said, ah, you know, piano just has tons of strings inside. That's how you do it. I was like, I have lots of strings too. <laughs> so, um, and it's very inexpensive. If I ever forget my gear, I would just ask the audience to loan me their keychain rings. So um, I, um, when I study, actually, um, uh, I learned all over. Um, I fell in love with, first of all, was a West African drumming ensemble uh, and dance when I was studying composition at University of North Texas. Uh, the chief, Gideon, he's from Ghana, and just amazing. That's turned my meter um, time signature world upside down, inside out. I was like, how do I know, where do I find the downbeat? Where is it? And Gideon was looking at me like, don't, 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 just start bashing something. <laughs> and uh, that's how I learned that, wow, you actually just need to feel physical, and that's where the rhythms are. You don't just conceptually just count. One, two, three, four, one. Because this is all really just on, on your every muscle of you when they play their music, it's just a, it's physical, it's not just conceptual. And then um, after that, I fell in love with um, Indian raga, and uh, I collaborated with Indian musicians in California. Oh, wow, that's a whole nother world of life-changing. Um, um, playing, played with tabla musicians, sarod players, and sitar players, and then, uh, I discovered a Balinese gamelan, and also started sort of from Mills. We had a, a fantastic teacher from Bali teaching us, uh, Pak uh, Winda. Uh, so um, I fell in love so deeply with Balinese gamelan ensemble, and I um, basically, wherever I moved to, I had to find a local. Luckily, I found a local community that had a community gamelan, either it was at uh, California or Boulder, even in Laramie, Wyoming, and Colorado Springs. They all had uh, actually teachers from Bali teaching. And uh, I think there's one actually in Knoxville, but I was just so hoping that Nashville would have one. I was, ah, this, uh, so I, I discovered that when I add all these keychains on the strings, it gives me this almost like a gamelan sounding. Um, instrument, um, whatever you call it, chance music is uh, certain things you just can't control it when it start buzzing, and uh, so we'll just see how it sounds like. Thank you. 
山上一条藤，藤条藤上挂铜铃，风吹藤动铜铃动，风吸藤停铜铃停。
I'd um, often detune my guzheng to uh, just kind of whatever key <laughs> will go. So we'll do another one, see.
called A Summer Palace. It's on my first record. Any of you have been to Beijing, Summer Palace is one of the really famous sites where you actually, the Forbidden City, Summer Palace, and the Great Wall. These are like, and te Temple of Heaven. These are like three, I mean four. Uh, um, four very famous sites are um, kind of in, um, old royal palace. Um, like where. So Summer Palace, um, I grew up, not that color because Beijing is really big, um, but I used to go there with my parents in the winter time because summer there's too many tourists, so only you could really kind of enjoy the quietness in the winter. Um, so when I was in the States, I think maybe quite a few years, and I um, that's when my first um, kind of opportunity to record my first record. Um, I didn't know what I also again like what should I play, what should I put on this record? And uh, I was missing home for sure. I was missing home. I said, okay, and maybe, you know, making a new record also very foreign. Um, growing up in the conservatory, we never think, oh, making a record is like a thing, never. We're like, what? Um, so it was a very brand new concept for me to construct my thought for coming up with a record. And then I thought about, well, you know, Maybe I just should just relax and, and play something that I could connect to and something that's immediate. What, what am I feeling? Well, I miss home. So I wrote, wrote this song just um, to reconnect to the image that I was in the winter. Uh, the whole, there's a man-made lake, very, very large lake, probably, I don't know, this, you can't really see the the edge of the lake um, and froze in the winter. It's so cold, it froze. And uh, I used to ride my bike across the lake in the middle of it. I know it's dangerous. It sounds, I mean, it is dangerous. It was, but I wasn't thinking. I just wanted to get on the lake to see from the very center of the lake to see all those palaces, what it looked like. You know, when you were nine or 10, it was like the best time of your life. And don't think about anything, just explore. So that I, I was, that was the time when I wrote this piece.
This has been an independent production of Sonosphere, produced by Amy S. and Chris Williams. Check us out at sonospherepodcast.com. Subscribe on iTunes and check us out on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening.